Navida, hello. It's a pleasure to have you here and welcome to the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. I'm really looking forward to an insightful discussion today, particularly based on the conversations we've just missed out on for this recording with our preamble. Firstly, if you could please briefly introduce yourself to our audience and then we'll get started. Firstly, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Davida Bakali. I currently work as a customer success manager for Multiverse. Um, I've been in the world of customer success for about three years now. I've learned so much and met amazing people like Kelly. And yeah, I'm excited to share some of my learnings and thoughts. Thank you very much. Okay, so the podcast is called Inspiring Future Leaders. That's a very wide remit. And I've explained a number of times on this podcast, the context for it, the conception moment for it, really, at Pulse Europe a few years ago. Let's start with the term leader, because I find a lot of these conversations go down a particular route. And actually, I'd like us to take a step back, particularly knowing your background and your contribution to the community on LinkedIn with your thoughts and your sharings and experiences. So let's start with the term leader. When you hear that word, term, leader, leadership, what do you think about? What does it mean to you? I think my perception of a leader has changed kind of massively over the years as I've matured as a person um I think I think of someone who you know takes accountability who really inspires a team or a group of people even if they're not you know managing them directly but just someone who inspires you you know it doesn't have to be my manager it has to be just someone I look at and I think you know what that person is doing a great job and I want to learn from them and that to me is someone who I see as a leader. It's almost like I fed you the answer. And I promise <laughs> you who's listening, I did not, uh, because that's exactly the point that I wanted to get to. Because it suddenly occurred to me today that a lot of these conversations, you, you talk about leader and leadership, and everybody automatically goes to business leadership. They go to hierarchical leadership. They go to the manager of a team, a team lead, a head of, a VP, a C-suite member. And one of the things that I really want to contribute to the conversation is that anyone can be a leader. It is not about necessarily a job title. It might be lucky that you get a really great leader in a formal leadership role, but actually anyone can be a leader. I'm a trustee of a charity and we work with school-aged children in Ghana. And the amount of leadership qualities that we see on display there are incredible. From any age and any background, any experience, you can display leadership qualities and you can inspire other people. And, and for me, that's the mark of a true leader, somebody who inspires others. And nice segue here. So talking of people who inspire others, Nabida, you are very active in the community. You share a lot of your experiences and thoughts and you're very open and, and transparent about it. What sort of example are you hoping to set for those around you what are the motivations for sharing all of the thoughts that you do I think for me um obviously I'm a Pakistan, British Pakistani woman so I have a lot kind of going against me at the same time I'm also Muslim um so for me the workplace looks very different and I navigate it in a quite a different way um, and that's why I do a lot of the things I do. I talk about a lot of my experiences because when I joined the workforce as a British Pakistani Muslim woman, there was a lot of times I used to think, oh, how do I navigate this situation? Like, how do I get through this? Like, I don't know what you do in that situation. And I looked up to people and I would, you know, read articles, I would watch YouTube videos, but it's always very hard to find that within like specific fields. So I want to create that for other women who can 
read my articles, read my content and see, you know what, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you sound like or what your insecurities are. You can get to wherever you want to, as long as you are being really true to yourself. And that's what I've been trying to do over the past few years is really being myself and really being open about that. Again, another answer that was incredible. I hold very dear to my heart. The most important thing is to be true to ourselves. The most important thing is to be authentic. And if we're authentic and focusing all our energy in that authenticity, then that that's how we can be the most powerful that we can be and grow and develop into wherever we want to go. And that's another piece that's important for me is it's up to our own individual choice where we want to go rather than being told we must go somewhere or we must do something. I'm trying to break down the society constructs where we we feel that we have to follow a certain path because otherwise we won't be accepted and we won't achieve some of the goals that we want to achieve. Whereas I think it's entirely different. I think if we follow our own path and we follow our own instincts then we are the most powerful the most authentic and the most valuable to others including businesses so I love the way that you said that it doesn't matter who you are it's about being true to yourself talking about being true to yourself and sharing experiences with others what are some of the experiences that you have had that around leadership and culture that have been great and that have inspired you you talk there about great leadership being about inspiring what have been some of the experiences that have inspired you and also what have been some of the examples of things that you would try and avoid to be a part of in future or you would use as an example to change the way that you um, show up in the world that's a great question and something I've been thinking a lot about recently actually um, because you know around us we see good and bad examples all the time and anytime I see a good one I note it down and I think that's who I want to be when I um, you know how I show up in the way I'm growing myself as a leader and then when I see a bad example I also write that down because it's you know I don't want to show up like that and the reality is sometimes we can get in those situations where we do um, for me good examples have been when people have been inclusive and really kind of supportive of who I am so for example right now um, you know we're going through the month of Ramadan I've had leaders really show up and say you know that I know you're going to be fasting. How can I support you? How can we change your work schedule? Um, checking in with me, because sometimes it's not even about, you know, changing stuff for me. It's about checking in to see how I'm doing, right? Because I'm going to be fasting for 17, 18 hours. I'm working full time. Just a little message to say, hey, Navida, I hope today's going well. For me, that's good leadership. That's someone who's inclusive and who's not just doing it for the sake of it. It's someone who truly cares. On the other hand, I've also seen um, leaders where they've just done it for the sake of it, because, you know, DNI is something that's very important right now, but a lot of leaders will just do it because they need to, because it looks good. And that for me is very important that at no point am I being inclusive for the sake of it, but actually being inclusive because that's what we should be doing. And actually not speaking up for other people because I've got a voice and I'm in that leadership position, but actually creating a space for someone so someone else can speak up, right? I don't need to speak someone else's opinion for them. I need to make them feel comfortable enough to say their own opinions. And that to me is true leadership. I really love that bit about creating a space for others to speak up because they have their own voice. It's not up to um, any of us, any individual to speak for others we don't know we can make assumptions about what somebody else feels and we obviously this society construct which dictates particularly in the professional world where we should be going next 
that's all external influences and the only person who knows actually how they feel and what they want and where they want to grow and develop is the individual themselves so I agree with you a leader who creates that space to allow people to be vulnerable authentic to really speak their voice and claim what they want in the world which direction they want to go in I think that's that's incredibly valuable and I wholeheartedly agree with that as well it does kind of really feel like I've primed you for this conversation but I promise <laughs> Listening. This is uh, completely off the cuff. We just happen to have clearly very similar views on things. Here's an interesting one. A lot of the podcast is conceptual theoretical conversations, but I quite often ask people to give some practical examples around certain topics. And something that has been on my mind, coincidentally, for a, f- a few months now, and we, we kind of touched on this in our preamble before we started recording, but one of the things that is is really important to me is to be in a culture with people who I feel aligned to who we work well together I don't mean we all have to be the same but we've all got the same kind of work ethic and principles and mission and vision in mind even if we've got very different ways of approaching that challenge and coming together with different mindsets and different perspectives in order to get a combined view of how you go forwards but with our current interview process globally I think this is that's really hard to really understand whether you're walking into somewhere that really does provide that fit and space for you you may not know the answer to this but have you got any thoughts on how we test for that how do we test for culture and company match before we walk into a company or do we have to just do the best we can through the interview process and then accept that on both sides, when we go into an organisation, that is when we're truly testing out whether we fit each other. You know, they say like you can never truly know in a relationship if you really know someone unless you live with them. And I think that's the same with jobs. You can't ever truly know what an employer is like or what a company is like until you're in there. How what you can do is what we do with relationships is, you know, spend some time doing our prep, doing our research and figuring out kind of if this is the right company. Um, so if I give an example right now, um, as I told you in kind of a preamble, I interviewed for LinkedIn and they actually had a really amazing recruitment process where, where I had several opportunities to speak to people who are already in the team. Um, they left a lot of time for me to ask them loads of questions, which I think is very important because I spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, what questions do I want to ask that will let me know what's happening in the company and what matters to me. So I look at questions such as, you know, what are you doing in terms of DNI? What do you think needs to be improved in the company, right? Like, what do you think are the problems? Why are you hiring me? Like, why, why is there a gap in questions like this? But a lot of companies don't give you that time to ask questions because they want to kind of nip in the bud and kind of get you in the door. But actually having that time and that space to ask that question, not just to the hiring managers, but different people in the team will let you know what's happening because you can start aligning those answers. And if you're getting loads of mismatch across the answers, you know that something in the company isn't right. But if you see a lot of people saying similar things about, you know, these are the initiatives we're doing and these are things we're proud of and these are things that are not working out, 
then you know that this is some real talk happening and someone isn't faking it because they need to and their manager has told them you need to tell Nabila this in the interview process so she accepts the offer. I wrote down there what sort of questions and then you went on to tell us what sort of questions to ask. I think it is changing as we understand that this society construct of you know the most important thing is to have a job any job and I get in certain circumstances low income or lack of jobs in your field then that can still be the case but where you have the luxury of choice it is a case of finding something that gives you the most motivation and fulfillment so that you can be the most powerful version of yourself because as we again we were talking in the preamble if you're not feeling motivated if you're not feeling aligned to the company culture mission vision and the ways of doing things then you're not working at your full power so you're not doing yourself any favors but you're also not doing the company any favors so the best thing to do would be to move on I really like that concept that there are things you can do through the interview process it does take up more time for everybody the candidate and for the company so you have to be really serious on both sides that this is a role that looks like it's a good match so that you can then ask those questions and I think one of the things in there because I know when I was younger I had a tendency to ask myself questions of one person and then the next time I went in to talk to somebody else I'd be like well I've, I've asked all these questions I've had the answers so I don't want to waste you know your time or mine so let's let's just do the rest of it and whereas actually asking the same questions of many people as you say there, is a really good way to figure out whether or not um, people are being authentic or whether they're just trying to get you in the door. Because that that was the other thing, that, that relationship analogy was a great one because I'm thinking, well, in an interview, everybody's on their best behaviour, aren't they? Okay. You know, candidate desperately wants the job, so they're being like, oh, what can I say in order to, to make sure I get this and, and vice versa? But you're right, you know, it isn't until you live together that you show each other everything what's and all I'd really love to see the workplace understand that a bit more so even if they've improved their recruitment process in the way that you describe here that there is a recognition not that anyone's on probation because that puts a different amount of anxiety and fear into the equation but creating a space where you can have an honest conversation with somebody and say look this isn't working this isn't what I thought it was going to be through the interview process so let's talk about how we resolve that and it might be that I move on to another company or it might be that there are things that we can do internally and I love the fact that you gave specific examples and practical because I think that's the thing for people they hear theory and they go that's great theory but how do I put it into practice you talked about what it looks like to be a good leader for you that inclusivity that supportiveness creating the space how do leaders do that what are some practical examples that you've experienced or that you would like to see in place that leaders could do in order to create that inclusivity that supportiveness and creating those spaces for people to be authentic to voice their opinions and to voice where they are and what they're feeling I think a good example is, so um, the company I currently work for, our um, kind of founder, he does um, a Zoom call every Friday afternoon, and that's like a book time in everyone's diary. Anyone can go to that session and ask him a question. And I think that's a great example of like having that space to kind of go and ask any question, because 
normally they'll do like q a's that's company-wide and you don't want to be asking your questions in front of like 500 people what if because you were just thinking what if i have a stupid question even though there are no stupid questions in your head if 500 people are listening you want to ask a really smart question or what feels like a really smart question but when you're in that one-to-one space with them you can ask them anything you want and i think creating spaces like that where you can have a one-on-one conversation with someone who's leading everything in the business is a great opportunity because I've obviously I get a chance to speak to everyone in my team because you know I work in customer success I get to um, collaborate with different teams and I hear some of the amazing ideas they have but they never get a chance to share them and I'm always encouraging them to go to like you know this office hour or try and find other ways but actually if companies created those spaces themselves people wouldn't need to be encouraged they would go up and ask those questions or give those ideas and the other part of that is actually once those ideas have been given what are you doing about them so in customer success we talk about you know closing that feedback loop making sure you're kind of going back and saying okay you gave me that feedback this is what I've done with it and I think companies need to do a lot more of that because they do a lot of surveys they do a lot of these sessions and people go in, give their ideas, but that loop never closes. What happened when I said, you know, I want to see a better, I don't know, lunchtime like offers or whatever it is, like what happened to that? Even if it was something you will never do, let me know. So I know that you listened. And I think once companies start focusing on that, more people will give their ideas, more people will be open. But if they don't see that, they just think, well, no one really cares. Why should I bother? So true. Let me know you listened. For some reason, in the last couple of years, I've I've become quite famous for talking quite uh, openly about all of this, the feedback, closing the feedback loop, NPS I'm notorious for, which reminds me I'm writing an article on that. I must finish that. Let me know you listened. It is true. That's true in any circumstance, whether we're talking about with our customers or, you know, internally with our people. You said there that we do that in customer success. And that did just remind me that there's so many things in customer success that I think are just imperative to to how businesses should run their businesses. A reason for this podcast is because I've been thinking a lot about the foundational principles and frameworks of customer success. It's customer-centered, which if you think about it, customers are people, so it's people-centered. Companies are made up of people, so it should all be people-centered. And I really do believe that if we implemented, embraced customer success foundational principles as the founding basis for how we run our our businesses, then they'd just be much more valuable, authentic, transparent, and powerful. And anyone who's read my book knows that my mantra is their success is your success. And I think that's why people's success, customer success is so um, intrinsically valuable. And a lot of what you've said here today just really triggers all of those connections for me. But again, just let me know you listened. Half the time, that's all we need. We actually don't necessarily need you to take any action. We just need to know that we've been heard. Bearing in mind that the remit of Inspiring Future Leaders podcast is so wide, leadership, culture, creating spaces where people have voice, authenticity, being powerful and vulnerable. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience today around things that you think are really important but get missed quite a lot, things that are simmering along and the profile on them should be raised, we should be highlighting these topics in some way. I'm glad you asked that question because I can talk about this forever. Okay, um, <laughs> bring it on. So um, I feel like the corporate world is great, you know, there's um, 
so much stuff you learn there's so many rules that come with it that you need to follow um sometimes but recently I read a book and it's called time to think I read it because I'm doing a coaching qualification so it's mostly focused on you know how you can be a good coach and how you can create a space for others um where they can really kind of get ideas while they're spending time with you but this book also focuses on kind of the way meetings are run in corporate environments in the world of work essentially and one of the things it talks about is how our current meeting culture and i experience this I notice this day day in day out is about who speaks the loudest or who's like who's getting in there and like you know interrupting someone or who's just there like talking first even if they have got nothing valuable to say and that is one of my biggest pet peeves like why should we have to speak for the sake of speaking why should we have to interrupt other people and why should we have to be loud to be heard? Like, why can't I just be myself, bring my whole self to work and ask a question when I want to and ask it when someone else is finished and not interrupt someone's thought process because they could be going down a completely different route. And I'm just like, sorry, by the way, I think my point is more important than yours because that's what they're doing when they interrupt you. And this book talks about how you should create kind of this thinking environment or a meeting environment where you go in and you actually go around and ask everyone's opinion one by one uninterrupted. And she does this experiment kind of over and over again in different environments, different companies. And what she finds is that the ideas that come out are so much more impactful for the company in comparison to the way meetings are run right now, where everyone's just got like a free free for all, like whoever can get in can get in, whoever can't, can't. Um, and I would love to see that change in the world of work because I speak to a lot of kind of like mentees, coaches, and one of the things they struggle with as they're starting their career is being able to speak up because they're in a room filled with, you know, like these senior stakeholders or people who've been in the company for more years than them, more experience than them. And they have a question and they don't want to put their hand up and ask that question. But if we actually created an environment where we said, let's go around the room and ask everyone what they think, if they have a question, those people would shine right? They would literally come out of their shell. They would be talking about the things they have amazing ideas on. I feel like the world of work is created for extroverts and the introverts really, really struggle. And I find that completely unfair because I have been lucky to speak to some of the most smartest introverts with amazing ideas who will never put their hand up in a room because they don't want to do that. It's it's not it's not their natural instinct and that should be okay because when we talk about bringing our full self to work it should also include this right I should be able to be an introvert and still be able to progress still be able to give my ideas I could not agree with you more there and you're not the first person to raise this topic on this podcast Renata is very passionate about inclusivity but the last time I spoke to her on the podcast uh, a few months ago, she was very passionate about this introvert versus extrovert in- inclusivity. I, I love this idea, but I would want to see it taken a step further. I'm an introvert. Um, p- most people think I'm an extrovert. I am not. I'm, I might be an extrovert and introvert, but I'm most definitely an introvert. And when you were talking about going around the room and putting the spotlight on everybody, I had a ball of anxiety in my chest because uh, that actually 
would be my worst nightmare. I would be sitting there waiting for my turn and thinking, oh my God, what have I got? To, I've got to come up with an opinion. I've got to come up with a question. I've got to come up with. So I think, you know, like everything, there's never one right answer. I think this is definitely a step in the right direction to give the quiet voices the space to speak. I've been in so many meetings where there's just lots of people shouting across each other because it's macho and you're celebrated for you know shutting people up and for having the loudest voice. And you're right, all of these rules that exist in the corporate world or in any you know business place really is that it's gone down this traditional route of um, machismo and women have to show up as male in order to be appreciated and to be promoted and to be heard except we're still not heard because if we're too assertive then we're aggressive a man is celebrated as a hero we're a bitch we're we're aggressive if we actually did create these spaces as this book is um, suggesting recommending where everybody gets a voice regardless of what position they hold, what gender they are, anything else that breaks up this inclusivity. I really do love that, but I would take it a step further because for me, not only am I an introvert, but the way my brain works is that I I take on the information, I observe and I absorb. And then it's after the event, quite often, I do have opinions and I will jump in as and when I have them, but it is generally after the event, once I've actually absorbed and processed properly, that I will make the connections and my thoughts and opinions will come out. So having the space to contribute after the event would also be incredibly valuable for me and and valuable for it to be recognised that you're contributing, because that's the other thing. If your contribution is only assumed to be the visible contribution in a meeting room then I think that's a mistake as well the quietest voices and the hidden voices are quite often the most impactful but definitely the least recognized I'm also very glad I I asked that question because I think that's an incredibly important topic and I'm really pleased that you raised that is there anything else as I said earlier you share an awful lot of ideas these are great practical examples of of how people can grow and develop their cultures their leadership styles what else are you passionate about what else have you shared that you'd like to take this opportunity to talk to the the listeners about I think another thing that I'm yet to write about actually two more things I'm yet to write about I think one of them is around work-life balance Um, I think one of the things that happens is and I've noticed this a lot and I have been a victim of this myself because it feels like people who work more hours or are visibly seen to work more hours are seen as these amazing people who are like oh my god this person is so amazing they work till 10 p.m in the evening like how great are they um and anytime you join like a new company you see that happening around you and even though you do not want to be pulled into this you somehow do because you see how this is tied to you know promotions or visibility which is so important visibility from senior leaders and you think okay you know what I didn't intend to do that but I'll end up doing it anyway and you do you start working those late hours so I would love it if companies started focusing on you know the quality of the work rather than like you being seen as working till 10 p.m in the evening and sometimes it's like oh actually you know we're a company who are flexible working so you can work any hours which is a whole different concept right and that's absolutely fine but if you're doing a we're not really a flexible working company but there are people working till 10 p.m and we're celebrating that then that's not great like anytime you say well done 
Nabida, you've done this great piece of work. I know you had to work till 10 p.m. That's you saying, well done, Nabida, you work till 10 p.m. And you should do that in the future if you have to. You should say to me, if you had to work till 10 p.m., either you didn't manage your time well, so we need to look into what's happening, or I've given you way too much work and let's see what we can take away from you. And those are the conversations we need to be having rather than, well done, Nabida, you did so well for working on your Sunday at 10 p.m., at 11 p.m., because that's not fair. And as young people who enter this world of work, you find it very difficult to say no or to say, oh, actually, I'll just leave on time, even though everyone else around you is sitting there until 7, 8 p.m., 10 p.m. or whatever, because you don't want to seem like that person who doesn't care. But you also don't want to be working till 10 p.m. because you want to enjoy life. So I would love to understand kind of how people deal with that, like what people's thoughts are and what leaders within that space who can control that are doing about this. Because in my control is like getting up at 6 p.m. and leaving the office or turning my laptop off. But that still comes with a massive sense of anxiety that other people are carrying on working and I'm not. I know you said you had two things, but just to respond on that, a couple of the thoughts I had were you you talked about even if you don't have flexible working, if you're celebrating people going above and beyond in the hours, working really long stretches and being celebrated for that, that's actually the exact opposite of flexible working. That's inflexible working. If you feel like you cannot leave because there is a culture where you have to step, if you can't put your hand up and say, I want my work-life balance, I'm not prepared to work beyond six o'clock, seven o'clock, whatever it is that you're comfortable with, then that's inflexible working. And then the examples that you gave of what leaders can be doing, what can individuals be doing, Yep, they can stand up and they can stand for for their principles and they can walk out of the office. But in an environment like that, there will definitely be the shadow of whether that is going to count against them. But it actually might be that other people are going, wow, that's brave. Let's all follow suit. And then what can leaders do? I think in certain circumstances, it may be that I'm not saying this is right, but sometimes you will get a piece of work in that is last minute and there's a deadline and it's a fixed deadline and there's nothing you can do about that. So asking your team and, and asking, I think that's the key thing here is you ask your team if they've got the capacity, if they are prepared to work a little bit extra in order to get this one piece of work out. But in return, you get the equivalent time off or more time off. If you work until 10 o'clock at night or if you work your Sunday, then you get the Monday off or you get a day off that you can take off in in lieu. It has to be about a partnership. It has to be about give and take. Uh, Is that overstepping the mark? I do think sometimes when I come up with options, I'm still steeped in all of the traditional rules that you're talking about because I I just grew up that way. That's how I was educated. That's how I was educated in my first years at work as well. And it's only recently that I'm starting railing against that. I'm still not sure where the balance is, but is that reasonable? As long as there's give and take, it's reasonable to be, that's still a work-life balance because you get the power to choose. I think that's the important piece, isn't it? 100%. Like you said, I think it's that asking for permission and genuinely asking for permission rather than a well this person is a manager and they're asking me a question so I have to say yes and I think once that is in place and like you said that give and take is in place then it doesn't matter because if you're working the Sunday and you're getting the Monday off or a few hours on the Monday back that's perfect because you've got that balance and 
that's what we want it's not about like I don't want to be working at all it's a case of how can we create a balance where I'm working but I'm also able to enjoy my actual life as well you said you had another topic that you would like to talk about write about Yes, um, it's quite a quick one, although a very important one. Um, it's around salary transparency. So um, obviously, I've been applying to a lot of jobs recently. Um, and anytime I click on a job, a lot of them don't have the salaries on there. And that to me is so frustrating. And then I've also worked for companies um, or had friends work for companies as well, where it's like, well, you don't talk about your salary. And one of the biggest things I say to anyone I ever speak to, and for some reason it's a big taboo within you know, the British culture is talk about your salaries. I'm not saying write about it on LinkedIn or shout about it from the rooftops. Tell your colleagues what salary you're on because either you're making less than them and you should be making the same as them or you're making more, more than them and they deserve to be paid the same as you. And if you're scared that you're making more than them and if you tell them you're, you're gonna get told off, Think about the fact that there could be people who are getting paid more than you. So really have those conversations about salary with your colleagues um, and be open with your manager as well that you're going to have those conversations because legally you have the right to have that conversation and you deserve to be paid equal to everyone else. But if you don't, you'll never find out the disparity between what you and your colleagues are on. And I've seen that many times. My friends have experienced it, but no one talks about it because it's like, well, if I do, what if I lose something in the process I applaud that again it's been one of those rules that has always been in place I can remember right from my very first job that you don't talk about salary and you don't share and it would be the worst thing in the world catastrophic if somebody finds out what you're on don't leave your payslip lying about don't even hint at what you're earning as you were talking there that some suddenly triggered with me is actually if you're working in an environment where you're worried what will happen if you talk about it if management have impressed on you the need not to talk about it then is that the kind of environment and culture that you want to work for anyway because if you want to work for a place and I get that there are lots of different people in the world and I just happen to know a lot of people who have similar thought processes to me but I want to work in an environment where I'm allowed to be my most authentic and powerful self if I'm not allowed to talk about something then that means I'm not being allowed to be authentic and transparent so actually do I want to work in a place like that anyway there's a culture element to that piece as well thank you for sharing that I am going to wrap up now I could talk for you with you for hours obviously and the more that we get into topics the more things I think about to talk about hopefully we'll get you back on again in the coming months just finally I mentioned that you've got a YouTube channel blog bits and pieces if people do want to find out more about you if they want to follow you hear your ideas and your thoughts and your experiences where can they find you so I've recently rebranded um as grow with Naveeda because I want to create a community of people so you can find me on LinkedIn as Naveeda Bakali you can find me on YouTube as grow with Naveeda and you can find me on Instagram as grow with Naveeda as well and I have a newsletter on LinkedIn called grow with Naveeda where I post on a weekly basis Um, Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great conversation. Many thanks to those of you listening at the other end. Watch out for the next episode next week of the Inspiring Future Leaders podcast. Bye for now.